Hey, JJ here. Welcome or welcome back to The Art of Value Investing, episode 22. It's the 12th of August, 2021. So in today's episode, I thought I might go back to Spotify because I it's been a, about a week. There's a lot, a lot of earnings coming out and uh, I've been listening to earning calls, but I just wanted to go back to Spotify. The, the thing is, where it's... It's uh, we're we're sitting. The price is sitting at two fourteen now, which is almost which is back about a year. The price has gone back about a year. Market caps around forty one billion dollars, so it's come down a lot. But I just wanted to go through the earnings call with Daniel Eck, and I also listened to a podcast, um, their Spotify for the Record podcast, which is kind of a more of a sort of consumer friendly podcast of the earnings call where Daniel. X talking about uh, the earnings, Q2 earnings, but also long term, which is what I'm, what we should be and what I'm more interested in. So before I get into it, just the normal disclosures, disclaimer that I'm not a financial advisor. Um, I'm not giving any advice at all here. I'm just talking to myself as much as you to work through my own thoughts and ideas today about Spotify and. So do your own research and don't buy anything based on what I say here. And this is as good as live. I don't do any editing because I like to spend my time on more research and analysis rather than making pod content. But this is good. This is, as I said, good for thinking through my ideas. So you can find me if you want to contact me or chat on Twitter at The Art of Value. Okay, let's get on with it. So as I said, today on the 12th of August 2021, where I am, we're sitting at, you know, Spotify has come down a lot. I'm just going to check how much it's come down from the peak. So it's down more than 41% since February 19, that was the peak, the CS peak. And looking back, you know, we're going back to about a year. It was back in um, June last year, really, June last year. Yeah. Or August, actually, it's down down from August last year. Oh wait, that's June. Okay, sorry. Yeah, it's like let's just say going back a year, and uh, even since since it um since it IPO'd way back in 2018, it's really not that much compared to for that long period. So you know we're looking at a forty around a forty billion dollar. Uh, enterprise value, I'm not doing this exactly, I'm just going on, um, you know, like a website I use, I haven't worked it out exactly, but the market cap, 41 billion. So it was, you know, it's been well over 50 billion. But the biggest question for me is not these quarter to quarter earnings or whatever, it's more the long term, as a long term investor. I mean, I have been looking at smaller and smaller companies over time so i bought spotify a while ago but you know this it was it's one of the biggest ones that i own apart from alibaba of course but i mean with the china companies i'm not going to buy small companies but so with u.s companies I, i'm going i'm looking smaller and smaller small cap and even micro cap but spotify is big but the big so the big question for me is can it grow 10x. I know there's been talk on Twitter, Fintwit this week about. It. I don't want to hear any more about 10x. This 10x. So let's talk about 11x then. Turn it up to 11. 
but seriously, I mean, can can this go 10x? I'm not. I'm only looking at things that can go 10x. And I I was thinking of that when I bought Spotify is that yes, I think it can. It's one of the few companies that I think could be 10x from even 50 billion and now it's 40 billion over the long term. And part of part of the reason I think that is is Daniel Ek. Uh, when I was first became interested. In Spotify, I mean, there's been talking about it in the value investing community. The Science of Hitting podcast recently did another episode on Spotify, uh, talking for about for a long episode, a discussion about about Spotify. If you want to listen to that, it's a good one. And uh, previous episodes, but but we're really saying, can it be a, from here, say, four hundred? billion dollar company which is a huge ask I mean so few companies do that there are trillion dollar companies and I do think that this is a possibility to, to be at least 10x over time uh, it is a big ask but I, I one of the things that convinced me about that was uh, Jim O'Shaughnessy's podcast is that the right pronunciation um, invest like the best so Daniel Ek had an interview with him a few years ago. I think it was 2019, perhaps. I have to go back and check. You can check it out. It's worth listening to an interview with him where, you know, he was the, he. It's obvious that he thinks very long term and that he's thinking. He thinks like an investor. He talked. He talked about growing consistently. I think he said 25% a year, and so that immediately got me interested because that's the that's the bar right if you're going to grow 10x and you grow 25 percent a year or 26 percent a year you're kind of doubling every three years and so and he is serious about growing the company to be very huge he talks about a billion users and it's a he still talks about that on the earnings in the earnings score and so you know there, there may be when you're looking at small caps of a billion or less than a billion Obviously, there's a if it's a good if it's a good company and it's harder to tell back then if you're micro cap or small cap you have to kind of go deeper to find out. But I think it can, and I'm today I'm going to go through the earnings call. Uh, just I, I I went I listened to it once and then I listened to it again and took some notes and just just uh, I'm going to go through it for my own benefit and just talk. Just you know, thinking aloud about comments about what Eric in particular says about the future and where it's at. Obviously, it hasn't done the stock hasn't done well since since the earnings call. Um, people were not, I guess, the market's not so happy about some things. But uh, I I honestly think it's fine, and I'm just happy to to, to still go long term on this, even though it's a big company already. So one thing to note, just some quick calculations I did before I started recording is okay so we've got I just checked in the you know the price to sales ratio is around four and when we when you compare it to us mother tech companies at the moment that's pretty it's pretty low. Um enterprise value to revenue three point eight two same thing. Uh and so the enterprise value to gross profit I get around f- under fifteen in the fourteen point three I get at the moment but it's just a, that's just a rough estimate I haven't worked it out really properly but under 15 is, you know, it's not 10 or under 10, which, you know, if you look at companies like Stitch Fix, uh, it's been, been a lot lower, but 
Um, Spotify is much more her profile and it's had a bigger, it's had bigger multiples put on it. But that's it's getting down there compared to some other companies, tech companies. That's not too bad. And so let's get into the earnings call. I took some notes. And so they said there's an expected degree of variability given COVID, the COVID recovery still. And of course, now we've got the Delta variant going around. So, you know, there'll be, and it, he, he talked about it affecting different countries at different times. It's a truly global company if you look at the, if you did look at the the uh, the earnings of the presentation that they had, there's you know it's impressive how global it actually is. Not it's not an American. I mean it's not an American company really. And but you know the big coverage in Europe, big in the US, but other places as well and growing. So he did. They did mention how month monthly active users users is, is a bit was softer. Uh, but also reversing back to back to be on track. So it lost about a quarter of MAU growth between Q1 and Q2, which I think what the market was most concerned about. And they said they were most con- disappointed about that. But X said he feels, he still feels really, really good about what we're seeing. That's a direct quote from him. So he's not, he's not concerned about it. And I mean, you know, CEOs are good marketers, but He's one person that I kind of believe what he says. Uh, and the, I mean, the thing is, I talk about it being, you know, if we're looking, I'm reading this book called Intelligent Fanatics by Ian Castle at the moment um, about finding these founders and entrepreneurs that are, can grow from nothing, just from small to a huge company, finding them early. I and mean, this is obviously not early, but, you know, we talk about Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and people like that, but it seems obvious to me that Daniel X, one of those one of those entrepreneurs that has, I mean, he's built a fifty billion dollar company for less than that at the moment, but you know, can he go? Can it go on to be a lot bigger than that? And I think the answer to that is yes. Uh, so he talks about the bigger picture. We're still on track to outpace Mao's over two over the two year average. So long term looks good. No, he's not concerned about the drop off there, and there are there are reasons for that this year that don't seem don't seem really that material. But the market obviously thinks it's a problem. And so he talks about the long term speed of iteration will be a key competitive differentiator. So they and they introduced twenty new features. In the quarter, including green room and paid paid podcast subscriptions, so they're kind of you know the the podcast for the record podcast was called Q2 Earnings Accelerating Innovation. So this is what they're focused on is rolling out new products. And when you compare it to something like Twitter, that they they are rolling out a lot of products compared to Twitter that all the time that sort of go a bit under the radar. And they're sort of willing to throw things against the wall. I mean, we'll be interesting to see with if Green Room works out okay after that acquisition, and maybe if it doesn't, that's okay. You know, they're rolling out podcasts. So and they say they introduced you know twenty new features, and they want 
one of the things that they said was they want to move from 8 million creators at the moment to 50 million. That's their goal, and from 400 million users to one, from 400, soon to be 400 million users to 1 billion users on the platform. They talk about being an audio browser now for the internet. You know, it's a sort of a change from from music, uh, music platform to to audio browser. So to get to one million users, this is I've heard Daniel Egg talk about this, repeat this often. That that's his goal. It's always been his goal. You know, since years, so from a few years, he's talked about it. The possibility of getting to one billion users, and there, that's totally possible, and that they focus on that, and he thinks that they're going to achieve it. So can you imagine? A world in which Spotify has a billion users and they have subscriber, paid subscribers and advertising content, which is ramping up. Well, I think they talk about that. Oh, yeah, they about to talk about that. I see that in the notes. So that, so they're still, he says they're still early in moving from linear to on-demand audio. So the so there's still a big growth opportunity from where they are now. And he talked about specifically the growing strength and importance of ad revenue, which I'm not sure how much the market sort of thought about this, has thought about this, but it's becoming a second big revenue driver where they had a 110% growth, year-on-year growth, and podcast revenue was up 627%. And they're only currently capped by the inventory, uh, meaning inventory not not of ads. They've, they said they've got enough. They've got enough clients that they would put. They need more creators, which I mean, this is all good stuff, I think. And he also mentioned that and get more engagement leads to better to better retention. So they've kind of focused on getting people in and keeping them in there for longer in the app. And if they can do that, it becomes sticky. Uh, I guess switching costs more become more of a thing. And I, I wouldn't. I've 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 built up so many libraries and so many podcasts that so I I wouldn't switch. Um. They said, and they said more mobility leads to higher engagement. So COVID lockdowns, even though you think it's a, that Spotify is a stay-at-home stock, their comment was it's actually better for people to be mobile and out and about because these for commuting. Um, commuting means high means higher uh, retention, and higher use all round. And somebody. They said that the price increases, they've been testing price increases in different markets, and they, that didn't affect the mouse monthly active users. Somebody asked that question in the call, I think. And they said it, that didn't affect it. So that wasn't a reason that it went down. A little, well, not it went down, the growth wasn't so high. So they're seeing, they said they're seeing demand across the world. They feel good about their competitive situation. It feels really, really good about long-term growth prospects. That hasn't changed. Keep saying that. Really, really good. And you could t tell in his voice that he wasn't. He wasn't just that. He really means that. This is why it's good to listen to earnings calls because you pick up 
what you pick up the emotion of people's voices and you can tell right just from rather than transcripts or not doing it at all he thinks there's a billion user opportunities said that they've grown from one million to eight one to eight million creators opportunity the opportunity is to get to over 50 million creators so they're always focused on growth and achieving that growth in different ways a lot of things they're doing now people wouldn't have thought that they were doing i think podcasting is going to be a, an actually a massive opportunity much bigger than people think people are i've heard people being pretty skeptical about about that but i think I mean, this is one of the reasons I'm using Anchor, because it's a Spotify product. They acquired it, and I'm testing it out. And in there, they have a, an opportunity for advertising, which I'm not going to do. Um, but, you know, I can see, imagine if they get to, well, not imagine, I, I expect them to get to 50 million creators. Eventually, on the platform, so they talked about getting the audience of those creators to listen and then becoming super fans of Spotify and being so so more creators attract the audi- the audience of course they're, they're they're buying big podcasts to do that as well but they they, they talk about growing more to more tools for flair, for fans turn, and turning that into monetization later on um finding ways for creators to think spotify is the number one platform so it's a flywheel it's a flywheel that compounds more users more creators more creators more users and the flywheel compounds so that's a you know the flywheel is one of the buzzwords that's been you know originally well i don't know originally from amazon really but you hear it a lot these days but um i think daniel wake's been thinking about this for for a long time obviously uh, Spotify Open Access, they talked about. They want to enable as much audio as possible. Want to be the platform of audio of the world. That's what they're talking about now. They want Spotify to be the platform for audio for the whole world, for the internet. Um, so on Open Access, Spotify doesn't take revenue, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so they're doing, they want to increase engagement because they realize that leads to more business opportunities for Spotify ads, payment opportunities, live rooms. So really it's all about getting people engaged and value for money because if you have a Spotify, if you have a premium account and there are more things to do, you're kind of more engaged and that gives them opportunities. I can see that. So if you think about Netflix, I mean, they they make money from some subscribers, but they don't make money from ads. As far as I know, uh, Netflix doesn't make money from ads, but see, Spotify's got this opportunity where they have subscribers, and with the, with the freemium model, they, they can have ads. I mean, before I went premium, the only ads in the country where I am were just for to upgrade to premium, so they're like they're trying to annoy you into <laughs> upgrading. Um, but the, the, I could see the opportunity for local ads there. It's pretty is which is big like after a while you're like oh can they have some more ads for local things and and because it's mobile and they kind of it's just like the, that's the advertising is i think it's a huge opportunity if, if, so, if somebody never goes premium but they but they and they're just wanting to accept ads like radio people are used to radio but um i suspect they'll have more premium users but 
than advertising, but you could have the the opportunity for advertising. I think is huge. So they talked about um, green room being a, the separate acquisition and having more and more tie-ins, even though it's a separate a separate application. But they talked about having more and more tie-ins over time, and we'll see if if green room actually works out. And it, it may not work out so great, but it's definitely another. I mean, Manish Paper talks about spawners, companies that spawn by by acquiring, by startup, by more startups within them, like Google and Alibaba and companies like that, which over time generate more business. We talk about Amazon's Amazon Web Services as a whole new business. So it strikes me that um, Spotify is is like that. They they acquire they're acquiring a lot of stuff. They're acquiring podcasts, but uh, I can see that they the one way that they're trying to grow is to generate new. I could see them generating new businesses that people have, that we haven't even thought of to do with audio or even video later on. I know they're not focused on video, but Joe Rogan's Joe Rogan's bit is video, and I could see them doing more and more of that. Why not later on? But they don't seem in a hurry to do that. Um, so they said revenue exceeded expectations on the podcasting side, which led which led to better margins, and that's good for the future. Gross margin was twenty eight point four, and on average they're looking at at outpacing Mal growth over the net, over the past two years. I oh, they talked about that before. So they talked about discovery mode being a marketing tool for artists and labels as a result, a result-based marketing tool. We so that you only pay for results. And so people, will, somebody asked, will ARPU expand average revenue per user? And they expecting they do expect that to go up over time. Somebody also asked about the opportunities for live audio, which because uh, it's still in the early days, the early innings. Somebody asked about the early innings and said, I'll do my best as a European to answer that. I didn't know, don't really know what innings mean in a game. Uh, but he, they did mention that the that live is the vast majority of income for, for music artists. So... Spotify can be helpful in driving live outcomes over time with help from the artists, which help artists. So they talk about monetizing that coming later. So they want to build a great product first. But they did also mention that they have been involved in live things over time as well, like live recordings. I've listened to you know Spotify recordings where they've had uh, bands and to talk to play. But you could see things, you know, they could have concerts and things. That you could see how that could happen, um, especially because, as they say, artists make the majority of their income from live, so that makes sense that they would do that later on. But so, so that's, it's, there is a lot of opportunity. So X said, Daniel X said, analysts should focus um, on the move from subscription music to an audio platform. Model is different can be seen in growth of ads, but there will be many more tools and services over time. 
they will all start to impact the overall results in different ways. Product and platform improvement is, is most important. In the live event space, thing is, he said that they have been doing that with live shows and they've been testing live concerts and they've had positive feedback from that. We talked about the two-sided marketplace with creators, artists, labels. It's going well, exceeding expectations. The US, the US market is the largest market for ads, which is not surprising. Uh, Europe is second and the, and the rest is small so far, but every geography outperformed. X said, we need to unlock supply of content, he meant, for advertisers. So there's plenty of advertisers wanting to advertise, but they need more content of podcasters in particular. But this, he said there's plenty of demand from advertisers, so that all looks positive for revenue. Uh, it's a whole new source of revenue that could, I can see, could be huge. I mean, look at the look at the media companies that rely on revenue, like uh, Google and increasingly Amazon and Facebook. I mean, the opportunity has got to be huge. They just rely on advertising, really, and. Look how big they are. If they get to a billion users, what's Facebook over two billion users? But I mean, yeah, I can see the opportunity there. I am just talking to myself here. I'm not trying to sell you on the stock. It's just, uh, I think long term, I'm not worried about the quarter's results or the share price in particular, one quarter share price or where it is. In fact, the fact that it's going down is a good thing, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so the, yeah, they're focused on. So he wanted to reiterate Eck, that they want to make Spotify the audio platform of the internet. Uh, they want to open up to more content. They want a billion users, including podcasts and advertisers, or more advertisers on there. So he said they're anticipating a strong second half. Trends are looking good. Long-term shift from linear to audio demand will only accelerate more than 1 billion user opportunity left. No one else is as laser-focused as we are in audio. Talking about the competitive situation, it's all we've done for 15 years. And pushing ourselves to deliver at an unprecedented pace and building out infrastructure to go further faster. So as far as I'm concerned, that's all positive. Talking about increasing innovation, lots of product, lots of tools, and an increased accelerate, acceleration of innovation, building out infrastructure, and the fact that they're laser focused on audio, that, that was, that's about, they're not concerned about the competitive situation. As you know, if you think about other services that have, their, their competitors are so huge that they're not as focused on it. So that, that is an advantage for Spotify. Anyway, that's the note. Those are my thoughts. I just, I'm, even though it is, it's big. Like I, these days, I would, I would, I do prefer to look at companies. Say, I've been looking at companies, companies under five billion, and then sort of looking smaller and smaller. So, two billion. I mean, you can at two billion, you know, companies have and one billion companies have analysts, you know, on calls and. There's more out there. They're kind of used to being a public company. They 
Um, but once you get smaller than that, you have to dig. You, I think you have to. It takes a lot more work. You have to dig a lot deeper. But the, there are the opportunity to find something that you know in the hundreds of millions that could, if it's truly good, uh, it could grow and it grows into a fifty billion dollar company. That's a that's a very good result. But there's no hurry to find those, and it takes a long time. But I'm so I'm not going to sell my Spotify shares out because I do think that. Over time, it's got still got a lot of growing to do, and I think the current management is very good, entrepreneurial, and one of those. I don't think Daniel X talked about enough in the terms of some others. You know, like if you if you think about uh, um, Square and Twitter, uh, or Amazon or Netflix. Tesla, all of these, the leaders of these companies have, I think it's similar. So I think Spotify has a lot of potential yet to come. And, you know, it's a roller coaster. And it's a weird market at the moment. Um, As, you know, hearing um, Jim Channels talking, a lot of people do not like him because of the short selling, but... I think he makes a lot of sense. I'm just going to read something. Uh, so I'll leave you with something sobering that Jim Channels talked about on um, on CNBC. Actually, I just I saw a clip of it, but I, it, was, it was a short article as well. And it's one of the things that you know I do kind of agree with all of this that retail investors late in the game could be left holding the bag as more and more red flags emerge in the speculative stock market. The problem with getting more people retail involved is that it always seems to happen toward the end of every cycle. Retail wasn't there at the bottom of 2009. They weren't there in 2002 after the dot-com bubble collapsed, and they certainly weren't there in nine, but they certainly were there in 1999. So the problem in the last few cycles as I see it, is that we get promoters and insiders and people who have done very well cashing out as retail is buying. The historic recovery rally from the from the coronavirus pandemic has attracted a record number of, re- of new retail investors to participate in the stock market. Many of them gravitated towards the most volatile and riskiest areas of the market for outsized short-term returns including shares of companies and struggling businesses like AMC and GameStop. I see that every day. I see it on the internet every day retail investors who are gravitating towards very the riskiest, riskiest things and it does seem like late cycle stuff. It really does. So he says Meanwhile, a flood of companies rushed to public markets to raise capital this year to take advantage of sky high prices and wild animal spirits. In addition to a booming traditional IPO market, SPACs, special blah, 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 companies which are corporate shells formed to take an unidentified year, blah, 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 unprecedented growth as investors piled in hoping to hit a home run. We are getting into money being raised for all kinds of things that probably aren't at the end of the day going to produce going to be productive, but might end line the pockets of the promoters. 
doing it. That's true, just a huge number of companies coming to market, taking advantage of the speculation, basically. It does feel like late 90s. I was young then, but I remember it. When we start speculating in various different cryptos, questionable coins, the sixth spec some guy has put out, the 48th different electric vehicle charging company going public, that's when things, that's when things start to get dicey in my opinion. I agree. I, all of these things. We are well into that part of the cycle. I think, I just think the last group of retail coming are going to probably learn their hard lesson. So a new generation learning the hard lesson. So I do agree with that. It's sobering to read it. It's like every couple of weeks. I think uh, Jeremy Quintham came out with something saying that the boom, the market bubble, big market bubble, um, has only got weeks or months to last. I mean, he could be wrong. He's been wrong before. But these are sobering things just to remember. But so thinking long term, I mean, it means that if there's a bubble that's going to go bust, but if I could go in particular, if I could go down, could be cut in half. Everything could be cut in half or more. So. There's that to think about, but long term, I do think I like it. Okay, that's all for that's all for now. See you next time.